0: When I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company... Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches laugh not, not just anywhere. Stately, clumped, buck Mulligan. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company, read Ulysses by James Joyce read today by stephen Fry. our worthy acquaintance mr malachi mulligan now appeared in the doorway as the students were finishing their epilogue accompanied with a friend whom he had just encountered a young gentleman, his name Alec Bannon, who had late come to town, it being his intention to buy a colour or a cornetcy in the fencibles and list for the wars. Mr. Mulligan was civil enough to express some relish of it all the more as it jumped with a project of his own for the cure of the very evil that had been touched on. Whereat he handed round to the company a set of pasteboard cards, which he had had printed that day at Mr. Quinell's, bearing a legend printed in fair italics, Mr. Malachi Mulligan, Fertiliser and Incubator, Lambay Island. His project, as he went on to expound, was to withdraw from the round of idle pleasures, such as form the chief business of Sir Fopling Popinjay and Sir Milksop Quidnunk in town, and to devote himself to the noblest task for which our bodily organism has been framed. "'Well, let us hear of it, good my friend,' said Mr. Dixon. "'I make no doubt it smacks of wenching. "'Come, be seated both. Tis as cheap sitting as standing.' Mr. Mulligan, accepted of the invitation and expatiating on his design, Told his hearers that he had been led into this thought by a consideration of the causes of sterility, both the inhibitory and the prohibitory, uh, whether the inhibition in its turn were due to conjugal vexations or to a parsimony of the balance, as well as whether the prohibition proceeded from defects congenital or from proclivities acquired. "'It grieved him plaguily, he said, "'to see the nuptial couch defrauded of its dearest pledges, "'and to reflect upon so many agreeable females "'with rich jointures, a prey for the vilest bonzes, "'who hide their flambeau under a bushel "'in an uncongenial cloister, "'or lose their womanly bloom "'in the embraces of some unaccountable muskin.' when they might multiply the inlets of happiness, sacrificing the inestimable jewel of their sex, when a hundred pretty fellows were at hand to caress. This, he assured them, made his heart weep. To curb this inconvenience, which he concluded due to a suppression of latent heat, having advised with certain counsellors of worth and inspected into this matter, he had resolved to purchase, in fee simple for ever, the freehold of Lambay Island from its holder, Lord Talbot de Malahide, a Tory gentleman of not much in favour with our ascendancy party. He proposed to set up there a national fertilising farm to be named Omphalos, with an obelisk hewn and erected after the fashion of Egypt, and to offer his dutiful yeoman services for the fecundation of any female, of what grade of life soever who should there direct to him, with the desire of fulfilling the functions of her natural. Money was no object, he said, nor would he take a penny for his pains the poorest kitchen wench no less than the opulent lady of fashion, if so be their constructions, and their tempers were warm persuaders for their petitions, would find in him their man. For his nutriment he showed how he would feed himself exclusively upon a diet of savoury tubicles and fish and conies there, the flesh of these latter prolific rodents being highly recommended for his purpose, both broiled and stewed with a blade of mace and a pod or two of capsicum chilies. After this homily, which he delivered with much warmth of asseveration, Mr. Mulligan, in a trice, put off from his hat a kerchief with which he had shielded it. The both, it seems, had been overtaken by the rain, and for all their mending their pace, had taken water, as might be observed by Mr. Mulligan's small clothes of a hot grey, which was now somewhat piebald. His project, meanwhile, was very favourably entertained by his auditors, and won hearty eulogies from all, though Mr. Dixon of Mary's accepted to it, asking with a finicking air, did he purpose also to carry coals to Newcastle? Mr. Mulligan, however, made court to the scholarly by an apt quotation from the classics, which, as it dwelt upon his memory, seemed to him a sound and tasteful support of his contention. Talis actanta deprivatio huius seculi, o querites, ut matres familiarum nostri lascivas Libet semivire libicae titillationes testibus ponderosis atque excelsis erectionibus centurionum romanorum magnopere antiponent. While, for those of ruder wit, he drove home his point by analogies of the animal kingdom more suitable to their stomach the buck and doe of the forest glade, the farmyard drake and duck. Valuing himself not a little upon his elegance, being indeed a proper man of his person, this talkative now applied himself to his dress with animadversions versions of some heat upon the sudden whimsy of the atmospherics, while the company lavished their encomiums upon the project he had advanced. The young gentleman his friend overjoyed as he was at a passage that had befallen him could not forbear to tell it his nearest neighbor mr mulligan now perceiving the table asked for whom were those loaves and fishes and seeing the stranger he made him a civil bow and said pray sir was you in need of any professional assistance we could give who, upon his offer, thanked him very heartily, though preserving his proper distance, and replied that he was come there about a lady, now an inmate of Horn's house, that was in an interesting condition, poor lady, from woman's woe, and here he fetched a deep sigh, to know if her happiness had yet taken place. Mr. Dixon, to turn the table, took on to ask Mr. Mulligan himself whether his incipient ventripotence, upon which he rallied him, betokened an overblastic gestation in the prostatic utricle or male womb, or was due, as with the noted physician Mr. Austin Meldon, to a wolf in the stomach. For answer, Mr. Mulligan, in a gale of laughter at his smalls, smote himself bravely below the diaphragm, exclaiming with an admirable droll mimic of Mother Grogan, the most excellent of her sex, though tis pity she's a trollop, "'There's a belly that never bore a bastard!' This was so happy a conceit that it renewed the storms of mirth and threw the whole room into the most violent agitations of delight. The spry rattle had run on in the same vein of mimicry, but for some larum in the antechamber. Here the listener, who was none other than the Scotch student, a little fume of a fellow, blond as toe, congratulated in the liveliest fashion with the young gentleman, and, interrupting the narrative at a salient point, Having desired his vis-a-vis with a polite beck to have the obligingness to pass him a flagon of cordial waters at the same time by a questioning pose of the head, a whole century of polite breeding had not achieved so nice a gesture to which was united an equivalent but contrary balance of the head. asked the narrator as plainly as was ever done in words if he might treat him with a cup of it. Mais bien sûr, noble stranger, he said cheerily. Et mille compliments. That you may, and very opportunely. There wanted nothing but this cup to crown my felicity. But gracious heaven, was I left with but a crust in my wallet and a cupful of water from the well, my. God, I would accept of them, and find it in my heart to kneel down upon the ground and give thanks to the powers above for the happiness vouchsafed me by the giver of good things. With these words, he approached the goblet to his lips, took a complacent draught of the cordial, slicked his hair, and opening his bosom, out popped a locket that hung from a silk riband, that very picture which he had cherished ever since her hand had wrote therein. Gazing upon those features with a world of tenderness, "'Ah, monsieur,' he said, "'had you but beheld her as I did with these eyes at that affecting instant with her dainty tucker and her new coquette cap?' a gift for her feast-day, as she told me, in such an artless disorder of so melting a tenderness upon my conscience, even you, monsieur, had been impelled by generous nature to deliver yourself wholly into the hands of such an enemy, or to quit the field for ever. <sighs> I declare, I was never so touched in all my life. God, I thank thee as the author of my days. Thrice happy will he be, whom so amiable a creature will bless with her favours. A sigh of affection gave eloquence to these words, and having replaced the locket in his bosom, he wiped his eye and sighed again. Beneficent disseminator of blessings to all thy creatures, how great and universal must be that sweetest of thy tyrannies, which can hold in thrall the free and the bond. "'the simple swain and the polished coxcomb, "'the lover in the heyday of reckless passion "'and the husband of maturer years. "'But indeed, sir, I I, I wander from the point. "'How mingled and imperfect are all our sublunary joys! Maledicity! Would to God that foresight "'had remembered me to take my cloak along! "'I could weep to think of it!' Then, though it had poured seven showers, we were neither of us a penny the worse. But beshrew me, he cried, clapping hand to his forehead, Tomorrow will be a new day, and thousand thunders. I know of a marchand de capote, monsieur points, from whom I can have for a livre as snug a cloak of the French fashion as ever kept a lady from wetting. Tut-tut! cries the Fécondateur, tripping in, "'My friend, Monsieur Moore, that most accomplished traveller, "'I have just cracked a half-bottle avec lui "'in a circle of the best wits of the town.' Is my authority that in Cape Horn, ventre biche, uh, they have a rain that will wet through any, even the stoutest cloak. A drenching of that violence, he tells me sans blague, has sent more than one luckless fellow in good earnest post-haste to another world. Pooh! A livre, cries Monsieur Lynch. The clumsy things are dear at a sou. One umbrella were it no bigger than a fairy mushroom, is worth ten such stop-gaps. No woman of any wit would wear one. My dear Kitty told me today that she would dance in a deluge before ever she would starve in such an ark of salvation, for, as she reminded me, blushing piquantly and whispering in my ear, though there was none to snap her words but giddy butterflies, Dame Nature by the divine blessing, has implanted it in our heart, and it has become a household word that ilia de shows, for which the innocence of our original garb, in other circumstances a breach of the proprieties, is the fittest, nay the only, garment. The First, said she, and here my pretty philosopher, as I handed her to her Tilbury to fix my attention, gently tipped with her tongue the outer chamber of my ear, the first is a bath, but at this point a bell, tinkling in the hall, cut short a discourse which promised so bravely for the enrichment of our store of knowledge. Amid the general vacant hilarity of the assembly, a bell rang, and while all were conjecturing what might be the cause, Miss Callan entered, and having spoken a few words in a low tone to young Mr. Dixon, retired with a profound bow to the company. The presence, even for a moment among the party of debauchees, of a woman endued with every quality of modesty, and not less severe than beautiful, refrained the humorous sallies, even of the most licentious, but her departure was the signal for an outbreak of ribaldry. "'Strike me, silly!' said Costello, a, a low fellow who was fuddled. "'A monstrous fine bit of cow flesh! I'll be sworn she has rendezvoused you!' "'What, you dog? Have you away with them? Gad's bud!' "'Immensely so,' said Mr. Lynch. "'The bedside manner it is that they use in the Mater Hospice.' Dear me, does not Dr. O'Gargle chuck the nuns there under the chin? As I look to be saved, I had it from my kitty, who has been wardmaid there any time these seven months. "'York's a mercy, doctor!' cried the young blood in the primrose vest, feigning a womanish simper and immodest squirmings of his body. "'How you do tease a body!' "'Drat the man, bless me, I'm all of a wibbly-wobbly. "'Why, you're as bad as dear little father can't a-kiss him, that you are. "'May this pot of four half choke me,' cried Costello. "'if she ain't in the family way. "'I knows a lady that's got a white swelling, quick as I caps eyes on her.' Uh, the young surgeon, however, rose and begged the company to excuse his retreat, as the nurse had just then informed him that he was needed in the ward. Merciful Providence had been pleased to put a period to the sufferings of the lady who was enceinte, uh, which she had borne with a laudable fortitude, and she had given birth to a bouncing boy. "'I want patience,' said he, with those who, without wit to enliven or learning to instruct, revile an ennobling profession which, saving the reverence due to the deity, is the greatest power for happiness upon the earth. I am positive when I say that if need were, I could produce a cloud of witnesses to the excellence of her noble exercitations, which— so far from being a byword, should be a glorious incentive in the human breast. I cannot away with them. What? Malign such an one, the amiable Miss Callan, who is the luster of her own sex and the astonishment of ours, and at an instant the most momentous that can befall a puny child of clay, perish the thought. "'I shudder to think of the future of a race "'where the seeds of such malice have been sown "'and where no right reverence is rendered "'to mother and maid in House of Horn.' "'Having delivered himself of this rebuke, "'he saluted those present on the by "'and repaired to the door. A murmur of approval arose from all, and some were for ejecting the low soaker without more ado, a design which would have been effected, nor would he have received more than his bare deserts, had he not abridged his transgression by affirming with a horrid imprecation, for he swore a round hand, that he was as good a son of the true fold as ever drew breath. Step my vitals,' said he. Then was always the sentiments of honest Frank Costello, "'which I was bred up most particular, "'to honour thy father and thy mother "'that had the best hand to a roly-poly or a hasty pudding, "'as you ever see, "'what I always looks back on with a loving heart.'"